You're listening to the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is my Bitcoin 101 series. Lesson two, digital cash. In lesson one, I talked about, uh, well, I gave a broad overview of what Bitcoin is. Um, and I settled on a three-word definition of global digital cash. In this episode, we're going to break down a little bit more about what cash is because that is an important aspect of this understanding Bitcoin. This lesson isn't going to be very long because I know everybody knows what cash is, but I want to emphasize the point of the difference that Bitcoin has made in our understanding of cash and the nature of money. I think this is a good example of it. So cash from Google, we have money in coins or notes as distinct from checks, money orders, or credit. Um, It's the physical part of money, right? Like everybody, anywhere you go around the world, they'll be able to see what cash is versus say a credit card or a check. Um, So cash, when you see it, you know it. And it's been physical throughout history by the way there's a link in the show notes to a great video called the goldsmith's tale and it has kind of the history of how you know physical money turned into money substitutes and credit so i recommend watching that okay so physical nature of money that's what cash is and it was constrained by two things really physics and chemistry what's so great about the physical nature of money well, it has a limited supply. We can talk about gold or cowrie shells or any sort of money that's been used in the past. And it's always had a limited supply. There's been some level of scarcity in the money. If there's no level of scarcity in the money, it doesn't work, right? Like the first money wasn't leaves because you would just pick more leaves and it didn't mean anything. Um, No one would trust it. So it has to have a limited supply. And that's what the physical nature does. um, Also, if there's a relatively stable supply, governments, they if they use that type of money, they can't just conjure stuff up out of nowhere. Their actions are limited the same way that the individual's actions are limited when they have money in limited supply. And the fastest way to run away government is to give them the power of the money supply, right? Because then they're not limited by anything. Physical money also, it obeys the laws of physics and chemistry, not the laws of man. So it having physical money um, or cash gives you a way, the free market, a way to uh, break through, uh, undermine these onerous or draconian measures by any government, whether that government is a monarchy or whether it's a republic, it doesn't really matter. So that's good. Uh, okay, another thing about the physical nature is that you are exchanging the money. With cash, we have immediate settlement. So if I have a, a transaction, like I, Bob is buying coffee from Alice. Bob gives Alice a $5 bill. Now she has the money. There is no time delay or, or pending status or chargeback period. No, he Bob gave that money to Alice and it 
directly changed hands. Now, the limits on that in the past have been face-to-face. If I want to spend cash, I have to do it face-to-face with somebody. The, the instant that Alice goes into a room, and even an adjacent room, that I can no longer, I can no longer do a transaction with cash. I have to use a third party. Well, I guess I could do cash transaction, but it would be involving a third party. Like I would have to give the $5 to somebody and then they would go into the other room with Alice, give her that money. And then she would give the coffee to that person. They bring it back, whatever. And you have to trust that third party to not run off with your money, right? (laughs) Not leave the building and run away because now they have the money. (laughs) Um, Okay. So yeah, face-to-face transactions, and as soon as you went out of the media area, they didn't—they don't work anymore. You have to have trust and a trusted third party. So we can see that cash doesn't scale, or at least um, physical cash does not scale um, to get and to transact outside of your immediate area. You need to have a trusted third party to enable that. Enter the internet. And that need for the trusted third parties just expands exponentially as well as their influence. And it's a great excuse for governments to take advantage of the money supply. Um, so that's what they've done. All the benefits of cash did not scale when it was in its physical form. Trusted third parties aren't bad in and of themselves, I mean, they arise in the free market naturally, but they are very easy to regulate. And if you give a government control of the money supply that makes their power basically unlimited, and then they try to regulate the trusted third parties, you're asking for trouble. Um, Because the government can limit the supply of these third parties. We see that there's, what, five or so too big to fails, at least in the U.S., and they have 60% of the deposits. So, you know, you regulate the third parties and you can regulate almost everything. Uh, Everything has to go through them and they can easily um, put on like censorship of certain transactions. So you can't buy drugs or you can't gamble or you have to pay taxes on this. And so we are going to track everything you do through these trusted third parties. But with cash, that that isn't the same, right? You have a little bit more privacy, a lot more privacy. All of that is the traditional definition of cash. Its physical nature gives it certain beneficial characteristics, limited supply, a restraint on market inefficiency or government, immediate settlement, and a level of anonymity. But that physical nature also gives it drawbacks. It can't scale. It can't scale with the internet. It can't scale to 10 billion people. That's why we had to put it in vaults and give out gold certificates. It couldn't scale to a broader economy. And that's where Bitcoin comes in. Bitcoin gives all of the benefits of physical cash, but in a digital form that you can use on the internet and it will scale. It gives you limited supply, a restraint on market inefficiency or government immediate settlement, and a level of anonymity. It has all the same benefits as physical cash, but none of the drawbacks of actually being physical. It doesn't obey physics and chemistry. It obeys math, cryptography. So it can work on the internet and scale with the internet. It is digital cash. 
the biggest question around Bitcoin is exactly what is the best way to scale? It will scale, but what is the best way of its programmable money? It's programmable cash, so it will be able to be built on top of, and there will be more layers and more derivatives, but they're all based programmatically back onto this sound digital cash. So this lesson is about understanding Bitcoin from a viewpoint as digital cash versus physical cash. Your first use of Bitcoin is pretty profound. And that is the homework assignment for this lesson. If you guys haven't bought Bitcoin or have never made a Bitcoin transaction, go out, find a Bitcoin ATM, go on to localbitcoins.com, or even your third choice would be to sign up for some sort of service on the internet to buy Bitcoins through. First, you're going to need a wallet, though, and that's a huge topic. I could probably do a whole podcast just on wallets, but... um, And I don't like to promote bad security, but for the purposes of this homework assignment for a $5 value um, of small value, I would use um, I would use the highest rated Bitcoin wallet on your respective app store. Um, I know bread wallets good. uh, Airbits is good. Mycelium is good. uh, I I use Samurai on Android. So pick out a wallet if if, once you get that set up and you test out Bitcoin and you try it and you like it and you want to buy some more, then you need to do a little bit more research into hardware wallets or paper wallets, some sort of cold storage where you can securely store your Bitcoin. Um, I can always help you pick out a wallet for you if you really need me to. You can contact me on bitcoinandmarkets.com on the comment form there or on Twitter. But once you get that set up, you should be ready to go. To new listeners to the podcast, people that have found this because they're curious about Bitcoin, um, I recommend just buying a little. What's it going to hurt to buy $5 worth of Bitcoin? And then with that Bitcoin, you can send a transaction to somebody. Go online, find a a charity, donate a couple dollars to a charity using Bitcoin, Um, you know, send a tip to somebody like a podcast, (laughs) Uh, whatever. And just feel the power of a cash transaction that it doesn't take place face-to-face. It hits you as a very profound experience. And I think everyone, once they do that, they, they really it opens their eyes to uh, the power of this technology. That's a wrap for Lesson 2, Digital Cash of my Bitcoin 101 series. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. I hope I did a good job. If you guys have questions or comments, please get a hold of me on the comment section of SoundCloud, uh, contact form on my website, bitcoinandmarkets.com, or on Twitter. I hang out there a lot. So, Lesson 3 is blockchains. Lesson 4, I'm planning for proof of work. If you'd like to support this 101 series, there is a ad Bitcoin address in the description. Thanks for listening.